0: Hey, man. Good morning.
1: Good morning, dude. How are you?
0: Good, man. I'm good. I'm pumped. Pumped to be on the pod.
1: I am pumped too, bro. We're seeing okay. some momentum, right?
0: Yes. Momentum mindset. Yeah, now we're
1: both representing this morning. We got the moments tease. Yeah. Go moments. Woo.
0: Woo. We, had good, we had a good start to the week. We had some cold calling here in the office, set some appointments yesterday. Bro, it reminded me that If you sit down and you don't, if you say to yourself, I'm not stopping until I get an appointment, you're probably going to set an appointment.
1: That's right, dude. I was talking to Jeff about this yesterday. I'm like, if you have the mindset of, I am going to win in whatever I'm doing right now, I'm sitting down. I am not leaving this phone. Like I am not getting off of this phone until I book an appointment. You're going to book an appointment. It's all the mindset. If you have the mindset to do it, your mind can accomplish powerful things. And what were we saying yesterday? It's like it's it's you gotta start with the successful mindset, which leads towards a successful outcome, right? Even if you're not successful, you don't feel successful, it doesn't matter. If you wallow in the fact that you don't feel successful, what happens? You stay not successful.
0: Like you don't know? figure, right? Like
1: exactly. You,
0: you, pro- you program yourself to think negative thoughts, negative things happen. But if you're programming yourself to think, I'm successful at this, I'm gonna do this, I'm not stopping until I do this, suddenly, oh my goodness, like if I pay attention more to my finances, suddenly I'll have a little bit more money in the bank account. It's like right. if, I, if I spend more time with my spouse and I pay more attention to the to the important things in my life, my relationships get better. That's yes, right. Who would have thought of this? Right. Work. But yeah, it, it works here too.
1: <laughs> and people don't like it because it takes a little bit of work. And people like to wallow for some reason in their crap. You know, they like to wallow in the fact that they're not moving forward. And for some reason they, they derive some sort of satisfaction from that. It's crazy.
0: And we can fall into, I know I'll speak for myself. I can fall into that season of like, Oh my goodness, this isn't going well. Oh, I I don't feel like doing this thing. I don't want to do this. But I think the difference between someone who's winning and somebody who's really mediocre at best is that even when I don't feel like doing the thing, I'm still going to do it, man. I'm I'm not going to do it every day. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to do it a high percentage of the time anyway.
1: Yeah, and you can have a sense of uh, self-worth from that too, right? Because you know at the end of the day, you might not be feeling successful, but you know that you're going to follow through in that regard and you're going to push forward. So you you can be confident in that fact that, hey, you know what? I at least have the drive. You know,
0: that's so true. And if you view yourself that way, it builds your confidence. Like you were saying, if you're constantly proving to yourself, I can do the things that I don't want to do and I can still be successful at it. Yes. Wow. I'm, I'm a force to be reckoned with Jeff was, Jeff was in here and I was venting to him like, Oh, these, I'm making these recruiting calls. And it's like mm. this is rough. this is so, I hate the people on the other line who do this to me. And now I'm out there doing this and <laughs> like, I really don't want to do it. I can't tell you how excited I am to see the benefit of of just getting this whole process started, but I hate doing it. And his point was, if you do something you hate doing and you find success in it, you're going to feel so much better about it than doing something that's easy to do and finding success in that thing.
1: That's right. That's right. Because I mean, maybe it's just a guy thing, but we accomplish something that's difficult. And we know that we accomplish something that's difficult and we derive a sense of satisfaction from that. Do yeah. You
0: get, do you get insanely bored and this I know this, I know you so I can ask a leading question a little bit. but are you are you one of those people that gets insanely bored when you're not doing something or trying to solve something quite difficult?
1: yeah, I mean I I don't know if I'd use the word bored because I feel like I'm never bored because my mind is always going, but I become insanely uncomfortable and I'm like, I gotta do something. I gotta I gotta produce. I need more output. um so yes, I become incredibly uncomfortable and I like try to find busyness. but busyness is not always better, right? I mean, busyness is the new stupid too True. so. But kind of like to be doing something that's productive.
0: kind of like to be doing something that's productive. I'm with, I'm with you there, man. Yeah, definitely. I, it's good stuff, man. It's, it's better to camp out there in that world. It's better to be doing productive stuff all the time rather than camp out in what I think is just so with the current of our culture is I'm going to do things that make me feel good and happy. And then if you live there and you're constantly analyzing, where's my happiness at? Do I want to be doing this thing? And you're just Mm. analyzing that to death. Suddenly Mm. you stop doing the things that make you successful. Suddenly you're, you're like seeing some stagnation and you're overanalyzing your relationships. You're overanalyzing a lot of things. I am really guilty of this where I'll fall into the season of check in with myself. I'm going to empower myself. And it's like, yeah, while it's great to feel empowered and wonderful, good for you good for me on the days i do i'd rather not camp out there i'd rather camp out and where am i where can i grow how can i be if i'm feeling like a six today how do i get the six output everything that i have in how do i pull it out today it's like Mm. i'd rather just do the most i'm possibly capable of doing that day and i know it not every day i'm going to come in and just knock down every door that's okay that's okay right
1: yeah that's okay and and that's realistic too And being able to realize that is, is probably healthy. I know when you have a competitive mindset, you're constantly thinking,
0: why do I feel like a six
1: today? You know, I shouldn't feel like a six. I should at least be an eight or a nine, you know, can't get to 10. I mean, that's unachievable, but six, what the heck? You know what I mean? But yeah, I think to, to realize that and to still push forward and be productive, even when you don't feel like doing that, man, there's power in that. Yeah. man, I mean, you look at any successful entrepreneur and and they all overcame that obstacle.
0: that is so true and and to take it to entrepreneurship and working in our industry, the temptation out there is to say, well, the things that i I was doing or I, I it, they're just not making me successful anymore. They're not bringing in the business. my efforts aren't being rewarded the same way. So mm. instead of continuing to press in and do that thing, I'm going to just kind of take my foot off the gas. Well, hopefully next spring is better. Hopefully we catch the market when it's starting to pick up again. And then you kind of camp out. And I think a lot of agents are doing that right now where they're camping out and that, like, I'm going to take the foot off the gas mindset. And we're seeing the numbers on it where the average agent's working 6, 16, 17, 20% less this year than they were last year. It's like, I think, it, I think the action- Wasn't
1: is it 30%?
0: I think it was, I think it went from 35 hours a week, the average. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. 30 Mm -hmm. hours a week. No one Mm can do that math. Nobody knows what percentage that is. So I'm just going to guess and say, you know, 15%. So the point is, it's like, instead of yeah, pressing in on those things, people are saying it's tough. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, reward my, my time with nothing. So I'm just not going to try. I'm just not going to make the calls every day. I'm just not going to do those things.
1: Yeah, and you're setting yourself up for failure. I mean, that's not a that's not a full time mentality for sure. Um, right. That's not a mentality of um, a successful entrepreneur. Right. That's a mentality of somebody who's more or less lackadaisical in their approach to business. And right. I don't want that, man. I like I constantly want to stay ahead of the curve.
0: Yeah, it's like pick your pick your pick your pain. Yes. Work hard and stay ahead of the curve, and pivot. Take your take your take your beating, doing the thing that you're really good at doing, or like pick the other pain, which is be lackadaisical, be less successful,
1: have less. And embrace strength. it. Right. Embrace it. If you're gonna do that, you got to embrace it too. You go know, go all the way. Just hey, go all the way. Might as well just sit on the couch and drink soda all day. You know.
0: Yeah. Grab a bag of chips and just turn the TV on. Kick your feet up. I I worked really hard last week.
1: Hey, I you'll probably be pretty comfortable. You pretty know, comfortable. it would be. Yeah, comfortable. we could be yeah. sitting
0: in front of the TV this morning and and just having a good old time playing yeah. video games.
1: Yeah, why not?
0: Why? Well, there's a good why. There's a good why not, right? Yeah, for 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 most people, it's it's and i guess i guess the the real estate industry is especially prone to this because we don't really have the accountability of a 9 to 5 where you have to clock in every single day at 8 and you have to clock out from 12 to 12:30 you clock back in and work till 5 mm. we don't have that environment and i think that that's actually something that's missing and that's part of our culture is we're trying mm. to build this culture of accountability and growth where mm. we're not comfortable staying in that place of call output down ninety yeah. percent Like yeah. We're, we're not going to feel comfortable in this culture. So we're trying to uplift the industry in that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that that let's kind of take this a little bit to some of the objections that we might be receiving as we're on the phone. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people are 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 holding back, you know, which makes our job increasingly not more difficult, but strategic. You know, nobody wants to coerce anybody into anything, mm-hmm. but we got to put food on the table too. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like when people say to you, well, listen, I want to stay where I'm at. I've got a 3%, 5% interest rate. I don't really feel like going into a 7% and, and paying more or seven and a half. Right. What's where, how do you kind of take that conversation, yeah. um, or that objection. How do you handle that?
0: That's a really good question. And and our job isn't to convince anybody to move. And I think our industry, real estate agents in general, get a really bad rap for this. And I see it all over social media. It's like ask a real estate agent when is a good time to buy. Yeah, It's always a good time to buy. They'll never say it's a bad time to buy. <laughs> so yeah. So
1: I hate that. I, I, hate, I hate that. Yeah, and I can't. I, you know, I wouldn't be comfortable with myself operating in that matter. I just I, I wouldn't. You huh. know.
0: No, I agree. And it's, it's against our core values. It's against our mission statement. Our job is to help people on an individual level figure out if they can make the move that would make it worthwhile to move in this market. So it's, it's giving options to people. But I will, I will challenge some of this mindset of, well, I don't want a 7.5% rate. It's like, well, rate is temporary. You can refinance the rate. And when the rates come down to 5%, 4%, we're going to see a huge rush again of buyers and we're still seeing prices going up it's not like homes aren't appreciating at a really really fast level if you compare it to you know 2016 through 2018 um we're still seeing prices fly up so the mm-hmm. same people mm-hmm. i find are the people that sat on the sidelines in 2020 2021 2022 now to 2023 and they're seeing home prices rapidly outpace their ability to save because they're waiting for the rates to come down. Well, it's like you can't refinance the purchase price of the home, right? And and if you are like me and you believe, yes, at some point we're going to see the rates come back a bit, hey, that that's something to at least consider in your decision making. Now, do we advise someone to get into a tight financial situation because they're hoping and praying the rates come down? Absolutely not. No it's just a factor that we want to talk to people about as professionals because hey this is the world we live in and we got to think these things through and part of our job is to challenge the mindset of different people so that we can uh help open their eyes to different to different options out there and to educate them about the market
1: yeah and, and sometimes it's just asking questions right like what again we're talking about moving, and we're, and you know I understand where you're coming from with not wanting to refinance into seven percent if you're at you know a lower rate, and I I think ninety percent of of all homeowners right now have interest rates below six percent, right? Yeah, that's that's um,
0: I think it's I think it's almost ninety percent, yeah.
1: Right. So it's it's bringing it back to why are you looking to move in the first place? You right. know, if you're requesting a call back on our website what specifically are you looking to accomplish yeah and then backing into all right well let's look at what these what your monthly payment would be what your total cash to close let's break it down let's yeah. analyze it too but if 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 um buyers don't understand and you can't convey to them why it is that they're looking to move in the first place of course you're never going to move you know you're always going to be stuck in that negative mindset of well rates are just going to go down and at some point, maybe I'll just I'll, I'll buy then. You know,
0: right? But then you're and then it ties right into well. Then we're competing with more buyers. Prices are going to drastically, uh, I would say, go up faster. Is that the best way to say it? Hopefully, hopefully that makes sense. They're going to go up faster at a higher pace, and and it's more competitive. So you're even less likely to get inspections. You're even more likely to have to do things like put cash out the door to pay an appraisal an, an appraisal gap. It, it and it balances out too, right? Like a lot of these people we're talking with, they own homes. Yes. So it's like, yes, you're going to get a seven and a half percent rate, maybe, but you're also going to get probably ten to twenty percent over your list price if you're hiring the right professional to market your home. That's right. So you're getting a lot more cash now to put down, lower the down payment on the next home because if you if you kill it and move into a strategic area where perhaps homes aren't as expensive or we, we go from a colonial to a one level. Like there's for a lot of scenarios, it really does make sense right now. And we can show people how, Hey, you can come out ahead even in this market.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. And for us to be able to capitalize on that too, it's, it's the agents that are putting in the hard work now. Yeah. And it's the ones who are nurturing their database, the ones who are going back and following up more than ever. We gotta put be putting more effort in than ever because it is uh it, it's a difficult time and it's it's a difficult um market to navigate. But yeah. the agents that are putting in the effort, they're going back to the basics, they're doing what what has always worked. As more and more buyers right. are saying, No, we're gonna push it off, we're gonna push it off, we're gonna push it off, they're getting more and more dissatisfied with where they're at, right? We want, we want more space, we want more space. Oh, I hate this home. And two, three years from now, it's like properties have only appreciated X. Rates right. are still at this high number, you know, and and I hate my home even more. So right. the more that we can capitalize on that, we have that larger pool the more that we will be able to to really take off when buyers are at that breaking point and they want to purchase.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And we'll be there as the right professional to help them navigate. And a lot of these objections are coming from terrible education from from the mainstream media. So it's like, oh my goodness, this is not a sustainable thing. The real estate market is going to eventually collapse. Prices can't keep going up. It's like, really? It's like, I, we heard uh, a, a great agent in, in our curator community making the analogy of stretching a rubber band where we're just stretching the market because more and more and more people are deciding to sit on their 3%, 4%, 5% interest rate and sit in the home and not and not make the move. They're deciding, I'm just going to weather the storm. And so the market's just being stretched and stretched and stretched. Does that mean it's going to have a breaking point where all of a sudden it snaps? It's like, no, it's just going to get stretched tighter and tighter and tighter and it it we can't unless we build our way out of it, unless we add inventory, the market is not going to collapse outside of a an economic event like a recession or a war or something like that.
1: Right. And like you said, man, I mean, if rates do drop sub seven percent by Q four or, you know, they they drop towards the end of, of twenty four, um, you're gonna have more demand yeah. as well so yeah. there's going to be way more demand from the buyers out there which means there's going to be more competition yeah. which means you as a buyer are going to have to be way more competitive and if you're okay with um being a buyer in that market go for it you know let's let's put our best foot forward and and be really competitive here to secure a home but if that's not necessarily you yeah. then you'd rather be a little bit um more conservative and work with what you know is is factual now, well, then you can capitalize that as, as a buyer right now in this market.
0: Yep, yep, agreed. Yeah, because we don't know, we don't, it's all conjecture. I mean, what we're saying now is based on data and facts that we know there's a, an inventory problem, 30% less homes on the market this month than la- this month, last year. So like we know that if you have a ton of demand for something and very little supply, that supply is never going to depreciate if the demand stays really strong. Yes. We know all the people out there. There's never been more people at the age of 33 ever before in American history. So it's like, we know that that demand is just never going to dissipate. So we have to Mm. dramatically increase the supply to ever see the crisis come back. So it's, Mm. it's, I mean, I've, yeah, if 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 it's really not for you and you want to sit and 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 see what happens, great, but I think a lot of people I think most people would rather deal with knowns today than unknowns tomorrow.
1: For sure. And if you're that buyer who's really comfortable where you're where you're at now and you feel like you have enough space and there's really no reason for you to move,
0: stay where you're at. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Totally get that too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, we got a couple of questions here, man. So as it becomes harder and and harder to afford a home it takes a certain type of professional to make a buyer competitive in the landscape that we're facing mm-hmm. so the the old school mentality of i'm just going to put my offer in and i'm going to just lead with uh, an email or i'm just i'm I'm not going to I'm not going to push the listing agent I'm gonna just put the offer in, and that's enough. I don't, I don't do that, that mm. part of negotiating. Mm. That's not, that's not necessarily. I'm giving, a, I'm giving an example to kind of tie into this next topic, but that's not the type of professional that if I'm a buyer in the marketplace, mm, I no. want to hire. I want someone who's one hundred percent advocating for me yep. and is one hundred percent giving me the yep. information. I should say one hundred percent effort to get me the information. Yep that will allow me to at least consider the option of what makes my offer the most competitive. And that's right. Yeah. For the home that I want. So I have a couple questions here that if you're, if you're listening in and you're thinking about purchasing a home, these are the questions that we should be asking that you should be asking your real estate agent that you're interviewing. So first one is what's your availability like? And, and we can speak to just how important it is to be light on your feet in this market. Like you, if you're scrolling Zillow and the buzzword now is doom scrolling, if you're doom scrolling Zillow and you're watching homes just fly off the market, it's like, you need somebody who is light on their feet. Very, very, very quick to respond and, and knows I need to get you in the door day one. Yeah. This comes available. So we have yeah. time to get our ducks in a row. I had a phone call. Bless her heart. Claire's aunt, Kathy, is our biggest, I think she's our biggest cheerleader. She was, yeah, she was, she was talking with a coworker who was really striking out on on putting offers in. And she was working with, this woman was working with an agent. And the biggest criticism she had of her agent was, he's part-time. I know Mm. he has another job and he was not Mm. able to get out there and show me homes when they were coming on the market. Mm. So we had to kind of wait till the open house or wait a few days to, to, to get in the door. And we were already so far behind. There was already four or five offers in. We felt like we we didn't have very much time to chew on the decision of how we approach this situation or what can we financially do to get this house, to, to get this deal done. That stood out in my mind, man. I'll throw that question at you. How does availability play in with your value proposition?
1: It is huge. I hear it all of the time from buyers as we're on the phone, as we're meeting with with buyers in a marketplace. And it is a constant theme where we have been searching for years. We have been searching for two, three years. We see properties on Zillow and Realtor.com. And by the time we finally get a hold of the listing agent on Zillow or somebody calls us back, the home's off the market. Yeah. Or they're accepting offers at noon that day. So time is of the essence uh, in regards to um, if you're a buyer and you're looking for an agent who is going to prioritize you and prioritize your search and prioritize getting you into a home. I mean, we we pride ourselves in the fact that, that that's, that's part of our value proposition. Yep. We want to make ourselves as available as possible. If you need to get in that home, we're going to do everything that we can. Uh, in order to, to, to make that a possibility. And part of that too, also, it's not just um, time is of the essence in regards to getting you in that door as quickly as possible. It's also making a phone call to the agent and saying, Hey, where are we at? You know, what, what is your seller looking for? What's their timeline? Do you have any offers on the table? What do we need to do to make this work? So that way now we can, we can time the market accordingly um, to, to present their offer in the, in the best light.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I love that. I love that. It's, it's never been, I don't think in any other market, it's been more important. Um. Number two, what's your marketing strategy? Man, we could, we could spend so much time going through these. I'm going to pick out the good ones, but that's, that's one that if you're on the listing side, it feels like you can just put a sign up and attract a buyer, right? Like you could do, there's a FISBO, um that i just saw that came up in our in our area sale by owner yeah for sale by owner and it it always it always um surprises me when i and and it shouldn't man like we've been around we've been seeing FISPOS for years people always try to sell their homes without an agent because they look at it like why pay five six percent for an agent Mm -hmm. if i can go out there and find a buyer myself Mm mm-hmm and i would challenge a lot of agents out there what's your brokerage empowering you to say when you get asked that question what's your marketing strategy and don't talk about mm. the mls don't mm. talk about your sign because you can hire a discount broker to put your property in with professional photos and and put that property into the mls yep so, and it costs 500 bucks yep so like let's let's yep. not talk about what is your what is your marketing strategy to sell a home well
1: here's the thing if if cuz you're always going to have sellers who want to be um you know they want to sell the home on their own um without a real estate agent yeah. but you always have sellers over time who are coming back to agents yeah. and they yeah. still use agents and why is that yeah. well it's because yeah. sellers that use agents statistically sell their home for way more than they would if they were selling it on their own and that's why they keep coming back now to speak to marketing it's one thing just to put a sign in the yard it's one thing just to throw the property up on the MLS. Part of our proposition to sellers is we associate with the buyers who are interested in a home like yours. We associate with those buyers. So when we list 123 Main Street, your home, it's not just going out. We're not just only marketing to all the other real estate agents. We are marketing specifically to buyers who have already raised their hand. And they say, hey, I'm interested in a home like yours. And then we market because we are moments we we initially were moments marketing right before moments real estate and we still have that marketing department or yep. a, a full service marketing company and we market to those buyers who are interested in homes and then we follow up with those buyers right and then we get those buyers we use the open house we use events to to draw those buyers in yep. and and ultimately that that makes home sell for for more money
0: yeah yeah it's 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 like there's always a buyer out there there is one buyer out there for every single property who's willing to pay the highest price and and offer the best terms to the seller and what you can find them if you can find them right like how do you how do you give yourself the best possible chance of going out there and finding that person?
1: and that buyer might not be we're in the Pennsylvania market that buyer might not be in Pennsylvania yeah it could be in New York or New Jersey yeah and if you're only doing local marketing, you're never going to find those buyers, especially for the luxury market, right? Uh
0: yeah, true. Very true. Yeah. I love it, man. And, and for people who are curious about our marketing plan and our marketing strategy, we have been living in that space for the last couple of days, just dialing it in on what we can do on an agent level, like, yeah, function with the marketing. What can we do to get yep. interest, uh, uh, grown around our listings? Yep. Yep. Leverage those for our sellers. So, um, I'm going to wrap it up on this one. Um, Oh man, there's so, there's so many good ones here. I think we should pick up with this next time. Um, We got seven minutes left here. Let's, let's hit one last one. What's your negotiation style? And this question, this question, there's, there's some wrong answers to it, but there's, there's, there's a unique style. I think, I, I think through the agents at our brokerage, it's, everyone kind of approaches the negotiation a little bit different. Everyone has a different personality. Everyone has different strengths and you play to those strengths of this process. Yeah. Um, but I think that the other thing is you want to know as a buyer and a seller, you want to know that your agent isn't compromising in order to you know, save face for a realtor they know, or to give a buyer that made a good impression with them uh, insider information that may not be the best I mean, for your seller. It, there's a lot of different things that you'll want to look for there as a buyer or a seller. Luke, how how does that play in? And I keep using the mm-hmm. value proposition, but what, what is your negotiation?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you bring up a good point. Everybody does have a different way that they, they choose to negotiate. And I think being in the business for years, my negotiation strategy has changed. Yeah. When I got into the industry years ago, I thought that the best way to negotiate was to play hardball. Yep. and run people over yep. and to kind of bu- almost bully more or less your way into, um, getting your clients what they want. And I found that, um, that's not the best strategy. The best strategy that I've found. And as, as I think all of us progress is we play the role of, I want to be, I want to be the friend, of the person that I'm negotiating with, hmm. the, the 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 friendlier that we can be, the more that we can build rapport, the more that we can establish trust and confidence from the beginning, from that initial text, from that initial call to yeah. the listing agent. If you're working with the buyer, the more that we can do that, yep. the the higher the likelihood of that agent wanting to work with us and wanting to share information. Yeah. Right? If if we play hardball, I'll tell you when I'm the listing agent. Somebody plays hardball with me. You're like my, my first inclination is to play hardball back, and then yeah. nobody gets any information, right? Right. Exactly, exactly. So if if we can if we can um establish trust from the beginning, the yeah. best way of getting as much information as possible and, and really having success, you know, because listing agents want to work with quality buyer buyers' agents, yeah. and that's something we pride ourselves in is when when we're from the buying side yeah. and a listing agent sees a moments real estate offer hit the table. Just even with the cover letter, with the way that the offer is presented, they know right off the bat that this this buyer's agent yeah. is going to get the deal to closing. That's it. They're going to get the deal to closing, and they're going to do whatever it takes to make that happen.
0: Yeah, they're going to be creative, honest, yep. trustworthy, optimistic, tenacious, excellent—all the stuff that we we love to we love to talk about. But. I think you're on point, man, because it you can be tempted, especially as a young professional or a professional who's part-time and doesn't have a lot of experience. And when I say young, I mean young in the fact that or in the sense that you don't have a lot of time in the real estate industry. Right. You, you can think that the best way to serve your clients is to go in and play hardball with a listing agent or on the other side, really beat the heck out of a buyer's agent. It's like, instead, we want to approach it with collaboration. That's right. Hey, well, how do we? How Good do we? Make this, yeah, how do we make this work together? Yeah. to benefit, and and of course, of course, we're thinking strategically. We're thinking about okay, how do we come on top, come out on top of this of this conversation? But it is approached in a collaborative effort, and I think both That's agents right. uh, are gonna be. They're gonna treat each other better. The transaction is gonna go smoother. And, and, and when you do that, you build trust and that's what that was the biggest thing I took away from from what you were saying is that you're building trust with that agent and people right. want to do business with not just people they like but but people they trust. trust. Yeah. yeah. I love it, man. I love it And I know I know that that's where the brand is headed and that's that's where we' that's where we're going is that when people see a moment's offer and a moment's agent submits an offer, it means something different. And it's mm. like, I've run into these people before. I I know what type of agent this is without even talking to them. Maybe it's a new name. It's a new face, but I I know about this brand. I know about this company. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: I love it, man. But let's end it there. Absolutely love our conversations and and this stuff gets me pumped, man.
1: Yeah, dude. Likewise. Love it, man.
0: Talk soon. Talk to y'all Friday next week.